This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. You're going to have to fight for every inch out there. They're a good team. They have a lot of depth. Um, forwards, Andes. We're going to see LB, who we've, we've seen uh, a lot in the past. Um, so it's going, to be a, it's going to be a tough fought series, and you know, game one is going to be a, the tone setter for the rest of the way. Jets center Pierre-Luc Dubois on game one. Jets and Golden Knights. And I've got the voice to hype it up because I do not feel well <laughs> with springtime around. Derek Taylor in for Cameron Poitras. Of course, Jim Toth uh, never leaves. That's why we love him so much. We're going to be talking all about the Jets' return to the playoffs. The text line is open, 204-780-6868. What will you need to see tonight in game one for you to believe the Jets will win this series? Uh, you know what? That's a great question. And, and I was on earlier with Hal, and he was asking me about what how important game one is. To me, game three of any series is the most important. I don't know why. I think there's historical statistics that say something like 73% of teams, it's in the 70s, that win game three, go on to win the series. Um, and so I think game one is important. I think today what I need to see from the Jets is more of what I just saw the past three weeks. They have to forecheck, they have to have pace and energy, and they have to be on the puck and create their own. I know you're laughing. Yeah, pace I, and energy, I you missed were, it. You were wondering how I long. missed it. Will we be 10 seconds before Jim Toth drops pace and energy? But they need to use that pace and energy and enthusiastic you know, forecheck to set the tone for the game. It's not going to be easy. The Vegas Golden Knights play a really good, consistent system uh, from October till now and from this drop of the puck till the end of the, the final whistle. Yep. But for me, they have to use that pace and they have to get on the forecheck, and then I think they'll be okay. But to me, they, they, they withstand the storm of the first eight to ten minutes, and I think you'll be fine. Multiple guys can score for that Vegas team. Uh, they were the first place team in the division or in the conference. Pardon me. Uh, it will be a challenge. Yet the Jets are maybe a 53-47 underdog when you see some of the analytics. I was surprised to see that it's predicted to be quite as tight as it is. News from this morning. Nikolai Ehlers and uh, Stanland are game time decisions. So someone's someone's poking it with poking it. <laughs> With the, with the Ehlers thing, he says he's 100% fine. Rick Bonus says game time decision. Uh, we'll talk plenty more about that as we continue on. Plus, in the final segment, I'm going to let Jim Toth just be angry about something. He is mad. He stormed into the office today just angry. Kicked the door open, and when, it didn't open. Made me more angry. So angry. Uh, I'm, I'm Loren McNabb angry right now. That is significantly she is irate. angry. Jeff, we've got our guest with us. Yes, we do. Let's do. Let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Ted Wyman, my football buddy from the Winnipeg Sun, who also covers hockey as the Sun has everybody covering this series. Ted, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's pretty nice to talk about hockey here with you, but also looking forward to just a month away from football. That's going to be pretty cool, too. Oh, it's <laughs> going to be so good. The, the Bombers signed a kicker yesterday. I, I'm so excited to see him kick and see what happens with, with that. Let's let's talk about hockey, and I, I enjoyed uh, the coverage that you and uh, Scott Billick and Paul Friesen have in the uh, – in the sun is fantastic. I wanted to, to jump in on your game breakers. You chose three guys from each of the teams in this series that you think will be critical uh, to this one. And the one I want to start with, uh, Connor Hellebuck, I, I think, is, is, is an obvious one. You say there's no more important player in this best of seven series. No, there's not because he is, well, he's probably the best player in the series when you consider it. He's the guy that's 
perennially in the running for trophies. And he's, uh, you know, he had a teammate this week say that uh, he should have his name in a conversation for the Hart Trophy. Connor Hollebuck and is, is one of the best goalies in the league. He is the best goalie in this series. No offense to Laurent Brossois, who uh, played, you know, yeoman's service with Winnipeg, played very well for Vegas down the stretch here, but he also played 23 games in the minors this year. He's a career backup going up against a perennial Vesna Trophy favorite. That's a big advantage for the Winnipeg Jets. And if Connor Hellebuck plays the way he did down the stretch, it will be hard for any team to beat Winnipeg. I mean, they're going to have to keep the Jets from scoring much at all if they're going to have a chance if Hellebuck's playing at his very best. Ted, uh, good to have you on the show. And, and man, I, I love the Suns' coverage, but especially Paul Friesen knows how to how to write a, a lead line. Uh, one coming off a second back surgery in nine months, the other's lackluster play can be back-breaking. How important yes. <laughs> will both Mark Stone and Mark Shifley be to this series? Well, I had Mark Stone in my list of game-breakers as well, just to go back to what uh, DT was referencing, um, because he's a guy that has... So much talent across the board. He's a, he's a great offensive player. He's big, he's strong, and he's one of the better defensive players in the league. He just means so much to a team, but he's also coming off an injury. So we don't know exactly how effective he can be. He was even emotional about it because he's gone through so much. It really means a lot for him to be out there, but does he know how good he's going to be at this point? Probably not. Mark Shifley, on the other hand, guys, I mean, it's a it's a toss-up. You just have to ask the question of yourself, which Mark Shifley are we going to see? Is it going to be the guy who played in 2018? Well, I doubt it. He was one of the best players in the league in that playoff. We haven't seen that from him since, so he's probably not going to be that good. Um, is he going to be the guy who had one point in 15 games and looked like he didn't uh, care all that much uh, during the stretch when the Jets were playing so badly just a, a few weeks ago? Well, it's unlikely too because he's been quite a bit better since then. But you, you need you don't know for sure what you're going to get from him. And I do think that the Jets made a good move by moving him to the wing because it seems like not having as much responsibility, maybe defensively, uh, which the center position does, may be suiting him. And uh, that line has played well with Dubois and Connor, so mm-hmm. I think he has a chance to be have a big impact on this series. But um, you know, Stone on the other hand that guy could really lift Vegas to a new level, given that they are already one of the best teams in the NHL and they're going to add a player like that. Oh, and we're going to talk about Mark Stone in the third segment because this is, he wasn't ready five days ago (laughs) when it would have counted against salary cap, but he's ready today. So that'll be a whole thing we'll talk about with Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun right now. Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Josh Morrissey as game breakers for the Jets. He mentioned Mark Stone, of course, Alex Petrangelo on defense. But in reading it, it it struck me across the face. This is actually the first playoff game for Jack Eichel. And that that fact, Ted, absolutely dumbfounds me. I had to go back and I was going, well, how long has it really been since Buffalo made the playoffs? Well, it was 2011. There's only one professional sports team that's been longer, and that's the New York Jets in the NFL. The Buffalo Sabres have not made it for a long time. We don't want to talk about them. He's in Vegas now, but amazingly, Vegas missed the playoffs last year in his first year there. So you're going to see Jack Eichel in the playoffs for the first time in his eighth season. Kind of amazing considering he was a guy that was a number two pick right behind Connor McDavid. Um, and, and but, but I'll tell you, I covered at least one game this year when the Jets played Vegas, and he was really, really great in that game. He was dominant, and he scored an amazing overtime goal. 
Um, that's a lot easier in three on three than it is at five on five. But he he really did look good. He had 66 points in 67 games. Going to be a handful for the Jets. But I'll tell you what makes Vegas so good. It's not Jack Eichel, and it's not necessarily Mark Stone. It's that even on their fourth line, they've got guys that score. Their mm. third line, Chandler Stevenson is their third line center. He had 65 points. I mean. Teams don't have that very often. It's an incredible balance throughout the lineup that Vegas has, and that's going to make them really, really hard to defend against. And then they've got these big bruisers on defense with uh, Petrangelo and Alec Martinez and uh, Shea Theodore, you know, not huge guys, but, you know, all offensive and defensive and have played forever and have great experience in the playoffs. Those are factors to me that make Brassois you know, a, a better option in goal because they're so good in front of them. Yeah. Let me throw this at you, Jim. And I, I, to Ted's point of Vegas gets scoring from everywhere. Their top scorer is, as he mentioned, Jack Eichel, 66 points. The number six scorer on their team had 53 points, 13 points separated one from six for a team like Edmonton. It's a hundred and something points that separate one from six on yeah. the jets. It's 42 points. If you go from uh, Kyle Connor to Nikolai Ehlers, this is a team that, I, I don't know how you shut them down because you have to shut down a lot of different people, but then you don't have that one guy to rely on. So how big a threat well, are that, there? That's what I think this series comes down to. Like I keep saying, I think the Jets have more scoring talent and skill, and and, and but the, the Vegas Golden Knights have more depth. Um, they don't, they score in committee, but they don't have guys that can score in a series. Like, I, I don't think there'll be a golden Knight coming out of this series that has like nine points in seven games or, or in nine points in six games, the jets have guys like that. So this is why it's such a fascinating series to me and why I think it's going to be so close and why Connor Hellebuck could legitimately be the difference maker in this one is because the jets, this really, and Ted can speak to this maybe and get your opinion on it, Ted, but to me, this series really comes down to what the Jets have built to this point. We all know what could happen to this core in the offseason, and it's really up to the core to win this series. The top six of the Winnipeg Jets have to outplay the four forward lines of the Vegas Golden Knights. They have to outscore them. They have to be just as good as defensively of them, and they have to let what this team really is. We We go around all the facets of this team and what makes them good, but realistically, this is a top six that should put up goals and points, and they have to do that in this series to win it. So in, in a not over dramatic or Hollywood kind of theme, but I, I do believe this is your core. This is the yeah. core that's been building for 11 years now, and it's probably not going to be together for a 12th. Can you sort of win this series? Yeah. And I think it will define the organization. Ted, about 30 yeah, show, us, show us what you're what you're made of, right? And I mean, right. Blake Wheeler has said that a few times down the stretch. We got to show what we're made of, and and that's very true. I will add in though, I do think the addition of Meteorwriter on the third line certainly gives that line a little bit more of a scoring possibility. And we know Adam Lowry scores in bunches. He's been scoring a lot lately, so that bodes well as well. The Jets they don't have much scoring to speak of on their fourth line. Um, certainly not the kind of depth that Vegas has on those four forward lines, but. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You've got guys in that room. You've got Kyle Connor. You've got Nikolai Ehlers. You've got Shifley. You've got Wheeler. You've got Morrissey. You've got Hellebuck. These are those core players. And we've heard, you know, we've seen what happened to them last season. They were pegged at the start of the year to be a Stanley Cup contender. And they really flopped. And we heard rumors about the room not being great. We heard about dissatisfaction. We heard about people not pulling their weight. 
then they start off real well this year under a new coach, and then they sort of go back into that mode. And it's like a lot of people, you could talk to just about any Jets fan, and they're starting to say, let's blow this thing up because it's not working with this core. You're talking about really good players, but if they're only individuals and not working together, that doesn't do you much. Absolutely. It's kind so of like a lot on the line for that group right here in this game. Maybe they've got yes. to at the very least show well. It's kind of like the Bulls' much. last dance without the championships. Yeah. This is this core's last dance to do something. It, it really is. Uh, read everything that Ted Wyman and Scott Billick and Paul Friesen put out in the Winnipeg Sun. They will have this series covered top to bottom. And join us when Ted rejoins us in the pregame show for Bombers football this coming season. Ted, thank you, man. Appreciate your time. Can't wait for that. Great to talk to you guys. Have a great day. All Ted, the best, Ted. Ted Wyman, the Winnipeg Sun on Twitter at Ted underscore uh, Wyman. We will break. The news is next, and I'm going to set Jim Toth a fire at 1245. Oh, Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Oh, oh. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Your one-minute penalty kill. Coach. Nikolai Ehlers will want to be part of the one-minute penalty. Sorry, go ahead, Nikolai. Yeah, w- one-minute power play, does it nah, exist? In- no, it's no more. Sarah I'm, left. I, I was d- going to call a penalty kill with Skyler Peters, but he was minus Four or five in a men's league game once. Oh, I that's... don't provide enough offense for the power play, boys. Yeah, right. that's why we're going to go with penalty kill. But yeah, that dash four on a Sunday night game. Well, you know what? The, my first game <laughs> since then, the boys won six nothing with six guys. Really? Yeah, I took one shift off. It was horrendous. You that... played the entire game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is a crazy stat I found this weekend. Brad McCrimmon in like the 60-72 Mem Cup final for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, overtime loss to Swift Current, 2-1 loss. He played 62 minutes. The only time he came off the ice was a two-minute penalty he took. Come on. I remember that. Yeah. I, I remember I that. It, I saw yeah. that on Twitter this week. So while we're talking ice time, there's a, an unbelievable stat for you. Yes, I do remember that. That's an unbelievable. That will never I, be done no, again. No. Ever. Like, I, what? I want to know. Like, did they have two defensemen that day? Like, what happened? Uh, the, the whole sport world has changed so much since then that, uh, yeah, never will be even remotely touched. Barring. Now we have load management. Could you imagine Brad McCrimmon in load management? <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe after last night's 60 minutes, <laughs> you might want to take a rest. No, I'm good. How many periods? But would, now Mitch Marner's played too many minutes this year. How many overtimes would they have to play tonight for Morrissey to get 60 minutes of ice time? Like three and a half? Well, I've three I've, overtimes. Yeah. I remember uh, Chicago playing the Ducks in one of their cup runs. I think it was 13. No, it was 15, maybe. And it was a triple overtime game. It was in Anaheim, which was just the worst. Oh, yeah. Like 3 a.m. And I think Duncan Keith played 48. I remember that. And yeah. and Seth Jones has played more than that, I think. He played one in that big Tampa series when they upset the Bolts a couple of years ago. I think he, he topped 50. But uh, it's never the plan, right? Like, you don't no, sit down no. and go, if I have to, I'll play this guy 48 minutes. Every shift, you think it's going to end. And so you just keep rolling out, depending on who the other line yeah. is. And Yeah. But Brad McCrimmon, apparently, on that team, was the only guy who could play defense. 62 <laughs> minutes. Like <laughs> Amazing. At, at minute 58, there's got to be somebody on the bench going, could I get 30 seconds? And you know, back then, water was for wimps, right? So I, I there hope, wasn't I hope rubbing he's salt tablets on it and stuff. I hope he's listening. I haven't talked to him in years, but there's a Manitoban who used to play for the Kootenai Ice when Corey Clouston was the head coach named Devin Walsh. Really good guy. Was a bit of a drop the gloves kind of guy. Didn't play a lot. And I was doing a playoff series. I was living here then and I flew back to do that. I think it was a Clone Rockets uh, Kootenai Ice series. And it was so warm there that they had to, they went to three overtimes and the fog had set in on the ice. Oh, yeah. 
So they had to stop the game and and have the whole, both teams skate the whole length of the ice to try and lift the fog because <laughs> it was just too hot there. Right. And I'll never forget this. So they all come out and they sort of circle three times and go back to the bench. And Welsh comes over the wall who hadn't played since the second period. And they're now in third overtime. And he sprints around the ice like five oh. times. And then he snow angels the bench and stops and looks at Corey Cluson and goes, thanks for the shift, coach. <laughs> uh. And I was like... That takes some, you know what? Uh, yeah. And Clouston was not happy. <laughs> That's, that is a good but how, story. How do you go five periods, triple overtime, and not get a shift? But he literally didn't get one. But yeah. he zoom, 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 zoom. Shh, thanks for the shift, coach. And sat back down. <laughs> he couldn't even have Peter Kleeman a goal in the top shelf. That would have been uh, out of the oh. way. Thank you to Skyler for that. 204 6868 the text line for Jets at noon. What do you need to see from the Jets tonight to believe they can win this seven-game series? Chris says Jets need to be like McDonald's, focus on the little things and do them well, and that will lead to a great product. All right. Uh, wow. Our other texture says uh, stay out of the penalty box. I'm all in favor of that. The power play for up till January, whatever was uh, right beyond, beyond belief. Unbelievable. Oh my God. It's amazing. Only Boston is in this level and it's not been the same since then. So I like that. Uh, There's just along that line. I really don't think especially teams are, I mean, I would like to see the jets power play get going here because I think it can win games. Same with the golden Knights, but both these teams do not have good specialty teams other than the Jets penalty kill. The Jets penalty kill is really good. Yeah. Um, but both power plays have not been dynamic whatsoever. We know the struggles of the Jets, of course. And I'm just going to look this up for Vegas, but I, I think they're not uh, – they don't I, – last I checked, which was two days ago, they do not have a good power play either. So um, it, it, I, I, I would like to see special teams be a difference, especially for the Jets with their power play, but I really don't think that that comes to fruition. Vegas power play about one percentage point below the league average, but bump their penalty kill about a point below the league average as well. Yeah, so, so the Jets great, great on the penalty kill, power play not, so special teams really might. It's five on five. Like This is a five on five battle, right? Yeah. All right, uh, Mark Stone, Winnipeg's finest, returns just in time for the playoffs. Carrying a $9.5 million salary. Could not have played, could not possibly have played five days ago in the regular season or six days ago in the regular season, but is ready to go now in a move that we'll talk about in the offseason and perhaps later this series as I can't believe the NHL is letting another team do this. He had back surgery in January. It's legit. He's been injured. Uh, will that be? Will it be a talking point later in this series? Mark Stone's return. Well, the last time we saw this, it was Nikita Kucherov, who then started playing in the playoffs after hip surgery. It was a shortened season, I believe. They won the Stanley Cup, and uh, he won the Conn Smythe. He put up uh, more than a point a game in the playoffs. I don't think Mark Stone can do that, but Mark Stone is one of the best unheralded two-way players in the game. He will defensively take the puck off the Jets nonstop. But I have some real question marks. Two back surgeries in the last nine months, and I believe it's his third one overall. Um, He would not be playing if he wasn't able to play, but at what level is really going to be fascinating to me? Should this be allowed? I don't think so. Um, But here's the other flip side of this that I will present to our listeners and you, and you tell me. 
So they put him on uh, long-term injured reserve and Correct. saved the nine and a half and then augmented. They spent that money. Correct. And now they can use that. So the, the question is, is what's the reverse of that? The reverse of that is you lose $9.5 million player and you cannot replace him in case you make the playoffs, but yet you have no clue in January if you're going to make the playoffs. Would you rather teams, good teams, like say Connor McDavid goes down for three months, would you rather they miss the playoffs that, well, asking a Jets crowd what the Oilers should do is, is but do you understand what I'm saying? Well, like, it's supposed like to be a hard cap sport. Yeah. If a, if a player's legitimately out long term or for the rest of the season, like, it's easy for Vegas because they're a good team. They're going to make the playoffs without them. Same with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa Bay, I think, finished in the first in the division without Nikita Kucherov. But take a team like the Jets. And say Nikolai Ehlers, after those first two games, is done till end of March. If you could put him on LTIR and go trade for Patrick Kane or do something like that, would you rather a good rostered team have the opportunity to make the playoffs and circumvent, or would you rather they don't and say Nick Ehlers and, like, look at Brian Little and how the Jets have used that money for a couple of years um, to do it. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. I see both sides of it. I don't think a team season should be over in January if two players in their top six go out. I think that's the roll of the dice, and that's what sports are. Who's healthy when it I'm, comes I'm down? I'm leaning to towards that way. I, I think the rules need to apply to everybody, right? And the NHL has said after the Kucherov thing, we're going to investigate, and players will not stay on LTIR if they can play. Yeah, we're not going to allow this. But here's where you get to: it's a salary cap sport. And this is from Cap Friendly. Winnipeg spent $81.7 million this year. Vegas is going into the playoffs with a roster of $96.5 million. Well, here's the reason. $15 million more yeah. on the roster for the playoffs. And, of course, they still have some players injured, blah, blah, blah. But that makes the point of they get a $10 million player who didn't count against the salary cap for the last four months. Here's why. Yikes. This is exactly why, and I hate to say this because I know a ton of people that work for the organization. I highly respect Kelly McCrimmon. Um, you know, Ryan Craig has been there for years, the former Wheat King. I know him uh, as well. Um, we know the people in the media from from our city that work there, Gary Lawless and, and everybody. I don't like the Vegas Golden Knights. I think, oh, really? I think they're an organization that thinks they're smarter than everybody else. And I think the same of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Interesting. It's absolutely ridiculous that the Toronto Maple Leafs had to, got okay to play an ATO goaltender in the National Hockey League. And for everybody who thinks there's circumventing the cap and all this, there's the adage of it's embarrassing in the National Hockey League. This is pro sports. And as Jamie McLennan said on TSN about a week ago about the Leafs and referencing the Golden Knights, in the NBA, if Kevin Durant can't play, they don't go to Staples and get Dan to come in and play forward. Like you can't, the idea that you can pick people off the street like the Leafs did because of their own cap issues that every other team manages. These are self-inflicted problems that you've done because you think you're smarter than the rest of the league. And so this thing with the Golden Knights has been going on for years. They continuously sign guys like Alex Petrangelo when they don't have the room. And that's another thing I'd like to see a rule come in. You can sign whoever you want for however much you want if you have the room. And I think that levels the playing field for teams like Winnipeg. I really do. Small market teams that can't sign free agents. If you want, like we hear all about the tax-free states. 
And that's 41 games a year, and it just, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's a small factor. It's less of an impact than a we think. A bigger impact yeah. is this thing that's going on with teams that can put guys on LTIR and then bring them back at the playoffs and fill that void. Yeah, and finish first in the conference in and the case of the Vegas Golden Knights. finish first in the Golden conference Knights. and then bring the guy back. I think that's a massive problem, and I think it's a massive problem that the Golden Knights continuously sign guys over the cap and then... You know, I, I mean, good for them. They traded Max Pacioretty for nothing to Carolina. Yeah. But Carolina got better. He didn't play for them, but if he did, because of your cap issues. So I just, to me, it's a move that I think it's not just the Golden Knights, the Mark Stoney move, but I don't like it, but it's within the rules. So what do you do? But the cap management, like I've said this before, if I'm a Golden Knights season ticket holder, and last year they had three games where they couldn't ice a full team because of the cap. If I'm paying a ticket for that and there's only 18 skaters on the ice, and I know the skaters that they're coming out of the lineup are fourth-line guys, but I'm just like, what am I paying for here? I have season tickets to this team, and you can't uh, ice a full lineup because you can't manage the cap, or you think you can overmanage it more than anybody else. Maybe they're overmanaging it. They're the NHL's version of the New Orleans Saints who really have their own approach to the cap, right? right? They they do it their own way. and think, What do you I, think of this? What, what do I think of this, this LTIR and then I spend the money. I think it needs to be shut down. Like I, I think they really need to investigate because, uh, and I, I half jokingly say he wasn't ready five days ago with talking you. about Mark stone, but he's these, they're ready to say, boom, he's not even a game time decision. No, he will play tonight. Like, I don't In think five it's two days. Really? And we got to go on the other side yeah, of this. I don't think it's too offensive to go with three games in the series or season Show me the medical reports that say he cannot play today. Last game of the regular season, get me a doctor, which they will yeah. find, trust me. But, but here's the NHL toes. doctor. Let me see this guy. And if he's if he's healthy enough to play five days from now, you've got to prove to me that he can't do it today. Yeah. And and if even if it doesn't catch somebody in the act, it may scare off future teams from from trying it because you could threaten big fines or draft picks. There's or so many things I like about the Golden Knights organization. Be. And this is the reason I don't overall like him is they just, and again, I, I, I respect McQuinnerman and McPhee, but you, you, yeah. you constantly think you're smarter than everybody else. And you constantly find ways to get away with it. And you should have to, everybody has a go. cap. If you can't ice a full team for a regular season game, that's on you. Yeah. And there should be a fine for that or something. You play with one goalie and a defenseman goes in. If he gets hurt, Toronto, Talking to you. We'll break. Uh, Jim is big mad about something that happened last night. It happened a few times last night. We'll discuss that. Mad, but I'm upset. Yeah. Okay. All right. He's yeah. upset. 